I hope that you all got something exciting that you were really looking forward to for Christmas. I got a lot of books and got one particular book that's like the coolest thing ever. It's a history of card catalogs. And it has like pictures of the card catalogs and the giant ones like that used to be at the Library of Congress and the smaller ones like the one that I have at my house. And it has pictures of the cards. And it's sad to think that somebody went to all that work to put all these books on cards and nobody uses them anymore. So I decided to put my sermon on a card, just, you know, make use of the cards. But you you don't find card catalogs anymore. And like many things, they've sort of gone the way of all flesh. That they used to be these wonderful things that everyone used, and now they're just gone. Hardly anyone uses them anymore. And we've come to the end of the year today, and there's a sense in which the end of the year is sort of a legal fiction. I mean, we could make any day that we wanted to the end of the year and just call it that. But we call this day the end of the year, and tomorrow we will think that we've started a new year and some people will make new year's resolutions and keep them for a day or two and some people will keep them for a little bit longer and some people will think that they're going to turn over a new leaf and some people will look back and say I wonder what I could have done differently last year that, that would have affected my life in a great way and since this is the last Sunday of the new year I wanted us to read from the end of the greatest sermon ever preached. It's that sermon, you know, from the Gospel of Matthew that Jesus preaches when he gathers a group of people up on the mountain and he preaches to them and he ends it, like all good sermons, with a story. And it's the story that I want us to think about today because we are, all of us, we are storytelling and story-hearing creatures. And whenever we think about our lives, we think about our past, we think about last year and we think about next year, we think about the stories that can affect us. And this story that Jesus tells, one of many, many that he tells, is a significant and important one. So let's pray before we read the text. Our Father, we are always thankful to you for all that you have done for us and we are thankful for your scripture which you have preserved for us we are thankful that you have given us your text and that we can read it today we're thankful for this place you've given us to worship we're thankful for each of my brothers and sisters who have come out to worship you and we pray this morning that each of us will realize that there is only one hope that we have going into the new year. Only one thing upon which we can depend, and that thing is your son. That person who came, God in the flesh, and died for us. We pray that you will bless his words to us now. And it is in his name that we pray. Amen. The Sermon on the Mount, you remember, starts in Matthew chapter 5, and it ends in Matthew chapter 7. Remember, there are five speeches of Jesus in Matthew, and Matthew sets them all up and 
And we learn a lot about Jesus as a teacher and a speaker in Matthew. And so on this last day of the year, as we think back upon all the things that happened to us this year, I think that it'll be interesting for us to read the end of this Sermon on the Mount. So it comes at the end of Matthew chapter 7. And Jesus is drawing together all these threads of the sermon that he has preached. And finally, he draws it together with one final story. And the story begins in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 24. And so if you have your text with you, you can turn to it and we'll read this story from our Lord. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them, will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the rivers rose, and the winds blew and pounded that house, yet it didn't collapse because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand, and the rain fell, and the rivers rose, and the winds blew and pounded that house. And it collapsed. It collapsed with a great crash. And when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were astonished at his teaching because he was teaching them like one who had authority and not like their scribes. When I was a kid, my father was a a Baptist minister. And he was a Baptist minister when I was an adult, too. But he was a Baptist minister when I was a kid. And, and it, we had something different on, on New, Year's Eve, New Year's Eve. And that is we had this thing called a watch night service. And so we would go to the church like at 8 o'clock at night. And church wouldn't get over until midnight. And we'd watch a film like we weren't allowed to call it movies. They had to be films. And we'd watch like one year we watched Old Yeller. And I never got over that. It was... You know, that's just a horrible thing to think about at the end of the year, old yeller dying. And then we would, we would, you know, there'd be a sermon and be regular singing and food and stuff. And then at the end, my father, it was about like quarter till midnight or something like that. All the kids are whining because they want to go home. And he would say, he would say this every year, and I remember it very clearly. He would say... There are still some people who will have this year written on their tombstone. And it was kind of a frightening thing for me as a little kid. I was hoping that it wouldn't be me that had that year written on their tombstone. I was hoping it wouldn't be my parents who had that year written on their tombstone because they were my ride home. And I I just didn't want any of my friends to have their tombstone. I didn't even know why we needed to bring up tombstones at that time of the night. But it was because all of us, when we come to the end of the year, we're reminded of the fact that things end, that all things end. And that which is most precious to us, our own life, it began at a certain point and it will end at a certain point. And so just like this sermon, our lives will come to an end. And the question is, will it be a good end or not? And Jesus tells us here that there's only one way to tell whether or not our lives will come to an end. He has drawn this sermon together by telling us about two things. Earlier on in the sermon, he tells us about two ways. And then he tells us about two trees. And finally now, he tells us about two builders. Two men who were 
building a house during this period of time. And it's significant that we remember these two builders. Some of you, if you grew up in Sunday school like I did, you might remember singing that song, The Wise Man Built His House Upon the Rock. Remember that? Pretty much everything I needed to learn, I learned in vacation Bible school. You, you, You know that if you don't build your house on the rock, that the rains will come and the house will will fall apart and you'll be in all kinds of trouble. It will not be a good year for you. And so today, I want us to just think about these two men building their house on the rock. And there are a few lessons, I think, that we can learn from them. One of the lessons is that the wise and foolish have nothing to do with their education. Jesus doesn't say there was this really well-educated man and he had learned in archaeology, in, in school, he had learned about how to build things on a rock and, and he doesn't say that. It's not a well-educated man and a less educated person. It's far different from that. It's a wise man and a foolish man. And wisdom and foolishness in the text of the scripture has very little, almost nothing to do with one's education. You don't get rid of your foolishness by going and getting educated. You don't get wise by staying longer in school. You get wisdom from somewhere else. And the the scripture is very clear, particularly in the book of Proverbs, where there's this giant theme of wisdom all through it, that wisdom comes only from God, and it has nothing to do with whether or not we've read a book or whether or not we've stayed in school or whether or not we got an A in a class. It has literally nothing to do with that. And Jesus is here telling us the difference between the wise man and the foolish man is what they decided to place their trust in. The the essence of the problem here is that the, the wise man recognized that in Israel, sometimes there are really bad storms that come really quickly. And you wouldn't want to build your house in a dry riverbed because when the storms come, it's going to come right down through that riverbed and your house is going to be ripped apart. And so the wise man recognized he had to build his house somewhere where it was going to be stable. The foolish man, the Greek word for foolish, by the way, is moron. So that's where we get our English word moron from. The, The moron just doesn't seem to care. He doesn't seem to care that the, a giant storm could come along, could wash away all of his house and wash away everything that he owns and everything would be gone with a great crash. He just doesn't seem to care about that. He lives his life as if none of those things are ever going to happen to him. I think that's what my father was trying to get people to think about when he said some peoples will still have this year written on their tombstone. He was trying to get people to think about the fact that as hard and as difficult as it is for us to, to, to think about our own end, our own death, it's something that's necessary. It's the moron who doesn't think about his own death. It's the moron who thinks I'm going to live forever and so I don't need to be prepared. And Jesus says to us that the the wise man is not wise because he learned all this. The wise man is wise because of whom he in whom he placed his trust. He put his trust in the rock and 
in the rock when the winds came and the giant storm came and all the rain came and all of those things came, the house continued to stand there. So it doesn't matter your level of education today. You don't have to go and get a PhD to be wise. You can be wise even if you've never been to school. My father was a a very wise man. Didn't have a PhD, didn't have really any kind of education. He had grown up in Indian Town, gone to a one-room schoolhouse there with a group of other people. That was the education that he had. But he was wise in the sense that he recognized you have to live your life with the realization that one day it's going to come to an end. And I think that there's a sense in which there are times in our life that cause us to be sort of introspective and to think about these things. And the end of the year is one of those times. It's one of those times when we come to think, yeah, one day my life will end. I started off this year attending the funeral of one of my good friends from the board at Knox Seminary. I ended up this year, just a couple of weeks ago, uh, officiating at the funeral of a member of my family. And so this year has been sort of bookended by death. But I was happy that in both cases, those gentlemen, even though they had come to the end of their life, they had trusted in the thing that made a difference. They were both wise men, regardless of their education. There's a second thing that we can learn from this wise man and foolish man. The first, of course, is that it's not a matter of their education, wisdom and foolishness. The second is that it has nothing to do with storms. Notice, as you read through the text, that the storms are described in almost the exact same way. Almost the exact same words are used of the storm that come on the wise man and the storms that come on the foolish man. And so Jesus is not promising us there at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. He's not promising us that if you trust in in his words, that you won't have any storms. He's not saying to us, if you trust in his words, you will never have any problems. He's not saying that. I'm sure that as you look back across the year that is now ending, you can say that that is true, that you have had your problems. Some of you have had more problems than, than others. But we've all, at one time or another in the last year, we've come to recognize that things that we thought we could depend on, we really couldn't. And that's what storms do. Storms in our life show us what's really dependable. Storms in our life show us what really makes a difference. Storms in our life show us what the bedrock is really made out of. And a lot of times we depend on people and then they let us down. Or we depend upon certain relationships and then they let us down. But Jesus is saying to us here something incredibly important. He's saying to us, The difference between the wise man and the foolish man. The difference between having your house destroyed by storms and having your house stand up to the storm is whether or not you obey his word. That's that's an incredible thing for a person to say in Second Temple Judaism. 
Think about the fact that one of the bedrocks of Second Temple Judaism is that there's only one God. That all Jewish people grew up reciting the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. And yet, Jesus stands there in the Sermon on the Mount and he doesn't say, your eternal future depends on whether or not you obey the words of my Father. He doesn't say your eternal future depends upon whether or not you obey the words that are written in the Hebrew Bible. He says your eternal future depends upon whether or not you listen to the words that I've said to you. That's, that's a, a, a politically dangerous thing to say. Because in essence, he is saying, I'm God. And what you do with me is what will make a huge difference in everything that you do. And if he were here today, he'd say the same thing to us. It might be just as shocking today as it was 2,000 years ago, but he would say the same thing. That the only hope any of us have to rest against the storms in our life is obeying the words that Jesus has given us. The only hope that any of us have is the grace that comes through the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the way that we know that we need that grace of the Lord Jesus Christ is because as hard as we try to obey His words, we fail. And yet we turn to Him and He still accepts us. No matter how many mistakes we've made, no matter how many things we've done wrong, no matter how many times we've sinned in this coming year, we can stand before God and there is no sin. Not one single sin that He will not forgive us for. And I stand before you today on this last Sunday of the year, and I want you to think carefully in your own mind about your own house, not the place that you'll go back to with all that different stuff in it, but your own soul. I want you to ask yourself, if a real storm came into my life today, if, if my tombstone happened to have this year written on it, would I be ready? You get ready not by lots of education. You get ready not by avoiding the storms. But you only get ready by doing what Jesus Christ says to us here. And that is totally and completely and absolutely trusting in Him. This idea of the rock because here the house is built on the rock. This idea of the rock is a metaphor in Matthew, and it occurs time and time and time again. And finally, in Matthew 16, when Peter asks Jesus whether or not he's the Messiah, Jesus says, yes, I am the Messiah. And then he says, I will build my church on this rock, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And he promises us today that whatever kind of storms that we may face in our lives, no matter what kind of problems that we may have, if we trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, our house will stand at the end of the day. Even if our tombstone does have this year written on it, 
It's okay because we trust in the rock upon which nothing ever gets blown away. D.L. Moody was a, a famous evangelist in the last century. He spoke to more people than any other person of his lifetime. In fact, whenever he would go and have evangelistic cru crusades, they would have to give out tickets because the building wouldn't hold all of the people that wanted to come in. And on one day, he was in East London having a crusade, and he had different kinds of special nights for different kinds of people to come. And on this one special night, <clears throat> he said, I want all the atheists and all the agnostics in London, I want you all to come and hear what I have to say about Jesus. Charles Bradenlaw was a, a champion of atheism in London at the time. And so he gathered up all of the clubs of atheists and agnostics, and they all, 5,000 of them, brought themselves together in that meeting hall where Moody was. And Moody preached to them from a passage in Deuteronomy chapter 32. Moses is growing old. He knows that the people of Israel are going to go into the promised land. He knows that he won't be able to go. And so he preaches to them and he says to them, their rock is not as our rock. He promises them that the only thing upon which they can depend is the rock of God himself. And he tells story after story of going to the bedside of people who were dying. He tells a story of going to a bedside of a little girl who was dying, whose father was a famous atheist. And he says, do you think it means anything? That this famous atheist, when his child was dying, didn't call for his atheist friends. They called for a minister. He talked about other atheists who, when they had gotten old and they realized that they were facing death, they had called Moody and asked him to explain what he'd been preaching about. And he said to them, don't you see that you can claim all that you want to, that your rock is atheism or agnosticism, but... When the real storm of your death comes, you're not ready. And so he told all these stories about how atheists had come to him. And then at the end of the service, he said, Tonight, we're going to open up all the doors and we're going to sing a song. And all of you who would like to leave, who care nothing about the message of Jesus, you can leave. And whoever's left, we will explain to them the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ, whomever's left. And those who were there ushering, they thought there would be a gigantic stampede and there would be nobody left there in the hall. But an amazing thing happened that night. They opened the doors. They sang that song. And all 5,000 of those atheists and agnostics, they rose, they sang, and they sat down without one single person vacating his seat. And Moody was able to explain to them that night the difference between depending upon the rock of yourself, which will be blown away, and depending upon the rock of Jesus Christ, upon which all of us can depend. That's, that's the message that I have for you. Simple as it is. That real wisdom comes when you depend upon the rock. 
All those other rocks, they're not like our rock. All those other rocks, like money and prestige and all the other kinds of things that people work for, at the end of their life, they realize that it doesn't really matter. But the one rock, the rock of Jesus Christ upon which he built his church, that is the rock that will never be swept away. And so today, on this last Sunday of the year, I want to ask you, what if this year were written on your tombstone? Would you be ready for that? And if not, you can be by placing your trust in that one who came to give us salvation, that one Jesus Christ. And I promise you today that if you place your faith in Jesus Christ, He will not turn you aside. And that you will find that all those other rocks are nothing compared to the rock, the rock of our salvation, Jesus Christ.